Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Welcome to church today. So glad you've joined us. If you are excited that tomorrow is school, make some noise. If you're excited to go back to school tomorrow, yeah, that's right. I don't know why it's adults that are clapping their hands. Welcome to all of our uh, 212, uh, or our faith kids, and uh, also our uh, teenagers that might be here. Of course, a special Sunday, we have our young people joining us. When you came in today, you should have received some follow-along notes that were not just available to our, our students, but also to anybody, whosoever will. You can follow along with those. We're continuing in this series entitled Equipped. And we are recognizing that tomorrow being the first day of school for many of our uh, families here and students heading back, uh, just uh, looking at being equipped and ready for what God has next for us. How many believe and know that there's something next? Whether you recognize it or not, you've got something next. There's something next in our lives. And being ready for what that would be, that would be next, that God is using or working through. And it's falling in one of these spectrums that what's next will either land to uh, uh, ready to experience the most or even to endure the worst. How many know that in the process that it's both? That as we grow in God, as we experience what's next in life, we don't know what those things uh, might be, but we want to be made ready. In Ephesians chapter 4, Following along, if you're following along in these notes, right at the beginning, this is our theme verse. In Ephesians 4, uh, verse 12, it tells us why we come together as a church, what we do as a body of Christ. And the purpose of the church is this, and the, the work of coming together is this, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the church. To equip the saints and to build up the church. This is the purpose for why we're here and what we're doing, what we're about, getting ready for what God has next. How many want to be ready for what God has next in our lives? Being ready to step in to what it is, and I believe this, that, that this is a time that I, I know that God is inviting us to walk in and step into what he wants to do for us and do in us and through us, and so in James chapter 5, uh, we're going to be looking this morning, now, I've got something exciting for all of our faith kids, grades 1 through 6, listen up, let me, in fact, let me just see where are all of our faith kids, grades 1 through 6, make noise if you are in elementary, where are, make noise real loud, where are you, all of our elementary students, that was real loud, real loud. I tend to remember it being a lot louder with just three kids in the back of the car. But uh, anyway, we're glad you guys are here. I've got something exciting for you. Uh, our our uh, faith kids, if you take that follow-along notes that you have in your hands, if you've not received one, we can make sure you get one. But you take that, fill that out, and then you will uh, uh, bring that to uh Uh, Faith Kids next week, and we will give you a drawstring bag that looks nothing like this. So it'll be exciting. It's got drawstrings, but other than that, in fact, you'll see it says Faith Kids. It'll have some stuff in it, but we want to just uh, uh, give you a gift, and we want to encourage you to help to be made ready for what God has next this school year and what it is God is doing in your life. So all of our Faith Kids invite you to come. Bring that back. uh, Take notes today. Follow along. Make sure mom and dad are able to follow along. And how many are ready to follow along? And how many say we just get right into it this morning? Are you ready? Anybody ready to get in the word? Anybody excited for the word? If you're excited for the word, jump up on your feet. Let's get into it this morning in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Here's what it says in verse 13. As we look at being equipped and being made ready. 
Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Notice he's already hit both spectrums. So if you are in trouble or you are going through hardship, he's addressing you. If you are happy, he's addressing you. Look at your neighbor and tell him this is for you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. Poke him right in the shoulder, right in the arm, whatever it is. Tell him he's talking to you. Whether you're happy, whether you're sad, whether you're at a mountain, you're in a valley, whatever it is, he's calling us or inviting us. He says that we should pray. We should sing praises. If there are any sick among you, let him call or you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of of the Lord, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I want to hear, want to hone in on that verse here this morning that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces results. What we want to look at this morning of being equipped is that we are called to be people of prayer. Before we pray and before you sit down and before we jump into the word, I've got to say this. This is not what we're preaching on, but I want to say this this morning that there will be moments for some of us that we can feel stuck in this place because it'll say, God, we've prayed, we've asked, and you've not done it. And I know I'm with us. I'm putting us in this bracket that there are times that it doesn't always go as I desire and as I expect, but I resolve this morning that my hope is not in my past. Whatever happened in my past, whatever happened that did not go as I desired, my hope did not wane with that unmet expectation or with that thing that occurred in my life that God always has a hope that is before me. Though I don't understand why it happened in the past, I resolve this, that my God is faithful, that my God is good and he works all things together for good. I will not see it. I may not even see it here in this place, but I know that my hope is always in front of me. And that I, is what I have to resolve with. And no, if I don't shift to that, then prayer will never be effective in my life. I'm not preaching on that this morning, but I want to say to some of us, being willing to say, okay, I've got to forget what is behind and step into what is ahead. I've got to forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. How many know that if we let the past, it'll hold us down a lot longer than God has designed? I'm not saying that you don't have hurts and things that are, we recognize that. But I want to say this morning that prayer is not meant to get God to do what we want. Prayer is meant to lift us to a place that we can commune with God like never before. That we can set our eyes on things above and not on things below. He invites us into that role and into that place. And if we're going to be effective, if we're going to be equipped, we must be people of prayer. Do you agree with that this morning? So, Father, I ask today that you would help us to forget what is behind and to strain to what is ahead because hope is always in front of us. God, even though it sometimes doesn't feel like it, sometimes it doesn't go as we desire, Lord, we resolve in this and confident in this that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. So, God, we know that you're good. We know that you do all things well. And so, Lord, we're not trying to make sense of why you do certain things or try and don't do certain things or to take control. God, we're saying today, God, be our grace, be our help, be our strength, be our portion. Help us today to step in to what you have for us as you're inviting us in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer this morning, would you say amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated 
this morning. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much or results in much. In fact, this is the scripture that we're looking at today. And if you're following along, you just recognize that, that this is the prayer that we pray that is the earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That we are equipped with this ability to pray and to commune with God or to connect with God, to be a part of what God is doing in our world. It has wonderful results. I would say to us today that if we're going to be prepared for what God has next, it's going to result in prayer. If we're not praying, then we're not prepared or being prepared for what God has for us. Sometimes what God is doing is things that we're not even recognizing because we're not even in communion or talking with God. The things that are just happening in life, and when things are just happening in life, we're not really making the most of them because things are just happening around us. But when we are people in prayer, that we become in tune with what God is doing, what seems like an ordinary day becomes a day that God is working in and does something extraordinary in what would seem ordinary, that he takes our ordinary and does something significant in our ordinary lives, in our ordinary moments, what would seem ordinary, that when we're connecting with God, we're walking into great things. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take a temperature of the room this morning, so I need you to uh, find someone beside you. Pick one of your neighbors, so uh, help me out with this, and so find a neighbor, and just say to your neighbor this morning, say, neighbor. Oh, you don't want to call him neighbor? Okay, well, then we'll find something else. All right, uh, um, um, uh, sexy, no, never mind, don't do that. It's not, um, uh, honey bear, how's that, how's that, does that work? It's getting awkward, just stick with neighbor, okay, let's just stick with neighbor. Neighbor, uh, here, here's the question, I need you to ask your neighbor this question. Do you believe that prayer is important? Go ahead and ask him right now. Do you believe that prayer is important? Do you believe that prayer is important? Now, if your neighbor was ready to answer a question, then hopefully you asked. But if your neighbor was like, I don't want to hear anything about it, then find another neighbor and just move on. But do you believe that prayer is important? All right, so now if you've asked your neighbor, here's what I need you to do. So would you raise your hand if you're sitting next to a person who believes that prayer is important? Is there anybody sitting next to someone who believes that prayer is important? That is the majority of the room. I'm not going to ask the other question. If you believe prayer is not important, that's another sermon somewhere at another church. We're not preaching that one. We're preaching about why prayer is important. But most of us are here and we would recognize most people believe that prayer is important. In fact, even folks who would not go to church or, or, or be accustomed to going to church regularly or even praying would still believe that prayer is important. How do we know that? Because they'll say things like, hey, I've got well wishes and good thoughts for you. It's like, great, you got good thoughts. But in essence, that's what prayer is. It is beginning of good thoughts. Before prayer is the words we say, it's the thought that we have. It is the thought and the recognition. And so there are those you've heard people say towards you, hey, I'm thinking about you. Well, that's the beginning of prayer. All of us are, would, would in our culture, in our time, believe that prayer has value and it's proven. There's been some reports. We believe that prayer has place and is important and that prayer is valuable. Let me ask you this question, not for your neighbor now, but for you. So if you believe that prayer is important, because you're sitting next to someone who believes that prayer is important, but now I want to ask you, because maybe you're the one that the neighbor asked, and you believe that prayer is important, so let me ask you this question. Do you make it a priority? Is it important enough to become a priority? Because what is it that we are sometimes cultured, or sometimes in a way of thinking that what we call important 
is not always the things we make priority for. We have things that we deem and say they're important, they have a place, but let me ask you, have they reached a place of importance to become a priority? You know, there's things that we would say are important, and we can easily say that because in our culture, it's the right thing to say. It's a popular thing. It's a common thing. And so we'll believe with what's common, but we believe with what's common, but we're not activating or stepping in to what we say that we believe. Do you believe it's important to drink water? Do you believe that we should drink water? How much water do you drink? Don't ask me. I was asking you. Uh, Do you believe it's important to exercise? How often do you exercise? Do you believe that it's important to wear your seatbelt? Is it the first thing you do when you get in the car? Do you believe that it's important to go to the dentist or for regular exams or or for checkups? Do you believe it's important? So when was the last time you went? Do you believe it's important to save money? So how much money have you saved in the last month? There are those things that we can say are important but don't equal into our practices. And sometimes prayer can fall into that category. We say that prayer is important, but let me ask you, has it become important enough to become a priority? Because some of what we do, and what is it, and I have to ask this question. In fact, I, I was asking uh, Jody as we were talking about this and, and, and just recognizing the need for prayer. I felt this a number of weeks ago and, and felt that we just really need to, to speak on prayer and a call to be a church that is praying. I want to tell you this, that as your pastor, if we are not a church that is praying, we are not a church in the presence of God to do the work of God. If we are not a people who are praying, we are an ill-effective church, and we are not able to accomplish great things for God. We can do good things, but we'll not do effective things. We can do benevolent things, but we're not going to be effective in the world that we live in if we are not people who are praying that prayer of entering in and having time with God. What is it that we say that things are important, but sometimes we say it's important, but it hasn't reached a place of our priority? And I asked myself this question. In fact, I said this to Jody. I said, what is it that when we say something's important but we don't do it? And I said, does it mean that we are a liar? I said, that sounds harsh. She said, we'll find something else to say. I couldn't find anything else. Because when I stop and I think about it, when we say something is important but we don't practice it, in fact, there would be a word that we could use for that, and it's hypocrisy. And the word hypocrisy is by religion to believe something but by practice to deny it. It's a contradiction to believe that it's important, but yet by action, by religion to believe it's important, but by action to deny it. If our actions don't equal it, then what are we? At best, only half truth. At worst, we're a liar. But I believe that prayer needs to be something that becomes it. Now, I know some of us might be sitting in the room like, man, that's a little too harsh. You just landed too hard. And I know there's every single one of us who need to develop our prayer life. So I'm glad we're all in the same place. There's not one here who could say today, my prayer life is exactly where it needs to be. I don't need to grow in it anymore. Don't need to step in it anymore. I'm going to tell you, there's probably not anyone here that can say, I've already have experienced all that God has for me. There's nothing more for God to step in. There's nothing more that God can reveal. Every single one of us are at a place of saying, God, you're able to reveal more of yourself to me. I want to know you more. And you will not know God more without being a person of prayer. Do you believe that today? If you agree with that at some point throughout the, this, this message today, feel free to say amen if you agree with that. Feel free to say I agree with that because I think it also then challenges us and says, hey, we want to be held accountable that we must be people of prayer. What is it that we'll sometimes say that we believe it and not practice it? I think the importance of why we need to pray, we've always needed to pray. Every generation has needed to pray. My grandparents, my parents, Even the disciples' generation, thousands of years ago, they needed to pray. 
I don't want to say prayer is more important today than it's ever been, but I do think there is a sense of we better be people who are praying. Here's why. Because if we're not praying, then we're making ourselves vulnerable to the spirit of, of the Antichrist. What is it that when we're not people who are praying, then we are people who are null, numb and allowing ourselves to fall asleep and not ready to respond or be equipped to respond properly to the things that are going on around us. The Bible says in the last days that many people will fall away from the faith. That unnerves me, even as a kid when I read that. I know you might be thinking, well, we have kids here today, and that sounds like, no, I think it's important for young people to develop at a young age a prayer life. I'm glad I had a dad who in some ways kind of hounded me. He kind of hounded me, and some of you are like, well, he shoved it down. No, he didn't shove it down my throat, but he would regularly ask me, Jason, are you reading your Bible? Have you spent time with God today? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I'm glad I had a dad who put that in my life and who challenged me and taught me how to make this a priority from the time I was young. Now, he didn't have anyone in his life to do that because he didn't come to the Lord until I was two years old. But I thank God that he taught me how to, how to get into the Word and make this a priority in my life. But there is for us in these last days, in fact, I think what do you call us or individuals who say that prayer is important but we don't make it a priority, I believe this, then that we are ill-prepared or unprepared last day livers. That we're not prepared to live effectively in the last days. I want you to see what it says in 2 Timothy. You can write this down, read it later. It's not in your notes and it's not on the screen. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, you should know this, Timothy. Paul's telling Timothy, Paul, or Paul's saying, Timothy, I want you to be equipped. I want you to be ready. I want you to be equipped for what you're about to face and what's in front of you. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Hallelujah. This doesn't excite me, but it's a reality that by prayer, God makes me ready for what's about to come. In the last days, there are going to be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. You know, one of the ways to make sure you don't love yourself and love your money, pray. Get in the presence of God. Allow the Spirit of God to get inside of you. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Some parents are like, can we read that part again? Can we say? Disobedient. These are all indicators of, of the spirit of the Antichrist, of what is deceiving and bringing deception and, and allowing uh, us to be separated from God. They will be ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving. And by the way, they will consider nothing sacred. Marriage, life, all of those things that they fall in the category. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. That there's, no, there, there's nothing sacred. And uh, obviously even the, the presence of God, the, uh, not a house of worship, but it, it, life uh, itself, that we worship God, that we spend time in his presence, that nothing's sacred. And I think it can also count, too, that nothing's sacred, like even being with God, well, it's just what we do. We just go to church. We don't expect God to do anything special. I'm just doing this because this is what I do on a Sunday. That's the start of not seeing anything sacred. Opening the word of God out of, well, I don't know that it has anything to say to me. Nothing sacred. And the, those dangers that just becomes common and normal. He says here that they will hold nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. How many know there's relationships that are affected because we become unforgiving, unloving? 
They will slander each other and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. How many know that we live in a day like this and we must be careful that we ourselves are not entrapped or caught up in such a culture and in such a place? How many would agree that we've got to be careful as the church to not allow that to become what we get taken up in? You agree with that? One of the ways that we can be sure that we are equipped in these last days is that we are people of prayer, that we spend time with God, that we are people who are praying. You agree with that? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that makes them godly. I believe the power that makes them godly is praying and being filled with the Spirit and allowing God that you, when you spend time with God and, and being able to experience God, that is through prayer. They will act religious, but then they will reject the power that will make them godly. And notice how he ends this portion. Stay away from those kinds of people. I want to make sure I can live with myself. I want to make sure that I can live and with myself in this place of being prepared and ready that I'm a person of prayer. Now, I know it's getting all serious in here, and I believe it, it's okay for that to a level because we'll let some of the pressure off in just a moment. But church, I want us to hear, if we are not praying, if we're not engaged in a prayer life, if we don't make the things of God priority in our life, we become susceptible to the deception of the devil and those things that become cancer that gets on the inside of us, and then we become hardened in our heart and unable to sense the presence of God. Would you say with me, that is a dangerous place I never want to get to. To become so so desensitized to the presence of God that I don't know how to engage the presence of God. I don't know wrong from right. I don't know how to make good decisions because I'm left just going with the crowd and living the way everything goes. If there's something our young people need to know is this, don't just follow the crowd in the, in the culture, in the place that you go. Allow God to set you apart. Be a light in a dark place and allow God to make you a light to accomplish what he would want in our lives that we can only see that happen through prayer so we believe prayer is important and prayer makes us ready to live in the last days are you living in the last days are you ready for what is in these days so is prayer important have you made it a priority and I want us to just see let me give you three reasons that I believe why we don't pray now when I say we don't pray I don't mean that everybody maybe say this three reasons why our prayer life is not as strong as it could be how's that that there's three things I believe why our prayer life is not as strong as it should be. And so if you're following along with notes, I'd love for you to just follow. I'm going I'm to go as fast as I can, give you practical things, and then we're going to end with a time of communion. So, I, Because here's my prayer. I've asked God this, this week. God, would you help the prayer intensity of our church to step up? Every person who teaches our kids, would you help us to develop our prayer life? Because you'll never be the best teacher to our young people down there if you're not a person praying. God, every person driving our vans, would you help them to step into a greater prayer life? Every person who's stands in our parking lot on our security team. Would you develop the prayer life? Because as we develop the prayer life, we'll be more effective to see God accomplished and ready for, for what God has next for our church and anticipating what God is up to, that we need to be people of prayer. And how many would say today, I'm ready to step into a deeper place of prayer and walk with God to a deeper level, to a deeper place? Now, either you're not raising your hand because you already feel you have that, or you're afraid of what that might mean, 
or you're sleeping and you don't know what, and you're just checking up the Mayweather and the McGregor highlights to see how that really happened the way it happened. Or someone just texted you and you have to reply to them. And if they did, text them back and say, I'm paying attention in church right now. You should too. And if they don't come to church, then follow it up with, join me next Sunday. So that would all kind of go together with that. So really cool thing. Here's number one. I think what affects our prayer life is this. We're too busy. We would say, I'm too busy to pray. I've got too much going on. That our priorities, now here's what I want you to see. That we don't make it a priority because we can be too busy. But if you notice in the word priority, there's another word. What is the word in the word priority? Prior. Whenever you're dealing with something prior, it's singular. It's one thing compared to one thing. Here's what we've done in our culture. We've created priorities. Do you know there's no such thing as priorities, plural? It was only meant to be one word or one singular reference, that it only refers to priority. If you go all the way back to the Latin root of the word, it was never meant to be plural. It was only one because you can't have more than one priorities. You can only have one priority. You only get one. So which one is it? You only get one priority. You only get one priority. You don't get priorities because we pluralize it and make it more. And the way we make it more, what that does for us, it makes us feel good that we have it as an accessory and in a compartment and a place within our lives. But God doesn't want to be an accessory in your life. He wants to have priority in your life. Would you agree with that today? So let me ask you, is God a priority? Have you made prayer a priority? Has it become your one thing because you only get one thing to make your first in your life? What is it? You only get one thing to make your first in your day. What is it? Now, you, before I, I make it sound like, oh, you can't do anything without praying. No, that's not entirely true for me because I'll wake up in the morning, and as I wake up in the morning, not super spiritual, but it can't help it in my mind. My mind automatically turns to God and recognize him. It just naturally happens in my head. I wake up and I naturally think things like, God, thank you. Lord, I thank you for your presence. God, I need you to. It's just thoughts that I have in my head. I wake up, I brush my teeth. You're welcome. And then I put down whatever hair I've got left. And then I go run one mile a day on a day I feel like it most days. Then I come back. Then I've got to get rid of the, uh, of the sweat that I have worked on and I get myself ready. And then as I'm ready to go, then I sit either at the table or I sit outside. If it's a nice day, I can sit out and read, take a little bit of time, read my Bible, spend time in prayer. That's when I get to that point. Now I've already brushed my teeth, gone for a run and done those things, but my priority is still God, the first thing I need to do or what is most important and I'm making room for and what I'm making this place is I'm chiseling out time to spend with you. It's gotta be priority in our life. The reason we don't and our prayer life is hindered is because we're too busy. Here's another reason. The reason we're hindered is sometimes because it's too hard. Have you ever felt like it's hard to pray? I don't know how to pray. What do I do to pray? And I believe, I wanna give a revelation here. I believe this is insight, but not believe. I know this is insight from the Holy Spirit. And that is that we live too often with our prayer life trying to get earth to heaven. We make prayer more of a matter of I've got to get something to God because I need something and we're trying to get earth to heaven. How many know it takes a lot of work to lift something heavy over your head? It takes a lot of work when that's the effort and we're trying to get earth to heaven. But God has not called us to live from earth to heaven. He's called us to live from heaven to earth. He says your kingdom come, your will be done, what? On earth How? 
as it is in heaven. I need to get heaven to come to earth, not earth to get to heaven. How many know God already knows what's going on in your life? You don't need to tell him how bad your problems are, how bad things are. God doesn't need to know how bad your problems are. You need to know how good your God is. And so when you enter in in a time of prayer, your order of prayer is not I need to pray because I need God to help me lift this. No, I need to pray because I need heaven to fall down on what I'm carrying. I need heaven to fall upon what is going on in my life. I need to get the presence of God to fall in my midst and in my life. I need my mind on God. Too often we make prayer saying, God, I'm trying to get your attention. God, God, where are you? How many know God already knows before you even ask? He doesn't need attention on your problem. You need attention on his promise. You need to have your attention on how high, how awesome, how wonderful that prayer is set in not to try and get our burdens up to heaven, but prayer is to get God's presence down to earth. How many know it's a lot easier to get something to fall than it is to get something to to lift up? And we make the load and becomes heavy because prayer is not just about God getting to do something. Prayer is about us being filled with the recognition of how big, how great our God is. How many know that when you walk this something with a different perspective, it'll change everything? What you thought was a problem, you spend in the presence of God. He becomes greater, reveals his presence, his promise in your life. Now what felt like a burden all of a sudden becomes lighter. You know why? Because he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'll come and do this with you. Sometimes we even make prayer a burden because we'll even make prayer, it's what I need to do for God. God, I'm here, I'm praying for you. God don't need you to pray for him. He doesn't need you to pray for him. Why do you have a prayer life? Why do you have a a devotional life? Well, I'm doing this for God. God doesn't need you to pray for him. God is not inviting you or not calling you to do things for him. He's invited you and opened the door for you to do life with him that you get to join with him. You know what? You've got weights. You've got burdens. But you know what? When you recognize the presence of God, now you know you're not going into that life and that circumstance and that situation alone because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Sometimes my prayer is not a whole list. Now, I'm not the guy that in my prayer life, I've prayed for every missionary. Missionaries get prayed for, but at a certain in certain times, I don't pray for every missionary. I pray for certain missionaries at certain times, and I'll set those things aside. But in my usually a half hour to 40 minutes a day when I spend time with God, my prayer life and my time of, of praying consists of reading the word and consists of just asking God to give me his perspective. I'll be honest with you. What I pray more for is not just I'll pray God heal the sick, but there are times I'll pray that and we'll move on. I'll pray that and move on. What I spend the majority probably two-thirds of my prayer time with God is just acknowledging his goodness and asking him to open my eyes to who he is and to reveal to me what it is he wants me to see because I need his revelation more than I need anything else because when I have his revelation, when I have the mind of Christ, now I'm able to walk with the authority. There are some things I don't need to pray for, I just need to speak to. But I can't have that unless I'm spending time in the presence of God and having a place that I'm it might be too hard. Let me get to number three. Number three, the third reason we sometimes don't pray is because we're too comfortable. And here's what I mean by that. We're too comfortable and we don't have the need for it because life isn't having any problems right now. Life's not going bad. We don't need to pray until planes fly into towers or waters begin to rise or things happen because we sometimes have convinced ourselves we don't need God until it gets bad. We know this as well because there'll be some people, hey, it's really bad. I need you to pray. Oh. It's bad, so we should pray now because it's bad. Uh, that, that's being funny, but how many realize that sometimes we just save prayer for, well, if I really need it. 
but making it a priority to spend time with God to make that place that we don't get too busy. You only get one priority. Don't make it too hard. It's not about us trying to get earth to heaven. It's about recognizing how good God is. Let heaven come to earth. And number three, it's not, we, we can't be too comfortable. And too comfortable is where we get caught up in just doing it our way. And as long as everything's fine by us and to us, then we go to prayer. The problem with that is this. I only pray according to my needs which means typically when I'm praying, I'm praying to say, God, I want you to do this, do it like this, because now something's gone awry in the way I see life, so I'm gonna pray now to get you to do something. And the way I'm praying is for you to do it the way I see it and the way I'm believing it needs to be done. If I wait only till my trouble to pray, then I'm probably praying my will and not thy will. I'm praying what I want and not God what you want. But when I pray consistently, the mind of Christ becomes part of me. I'm able to pray according to his will because it's consistent. It's not just in moments. It's not the the kid who says, Dad, I love you, and then you're wondering what comes next. How much money are you asking for? What is it you need? Why? Because there's a consistency. You you know what it's like sometimes to just be real nice to somebody because you want to get something from them or you're planning to do something and you want to make sure they're really buttered up and so, hey, everything's good. I'm being all good to you. You know those kind of people? And you're like, all right, what's coming next? I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Sometimes we treat God the same way. We butter him up when it's in those places that God doesn't need that. He just wants to do life with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to know him, to know his promise, to spend time with him. You know, prayer is so important, and you can write this down. It's in the notes. Prayer is so important that Jesus is doing it even now in heaven. What did Jesus do after, after doing miracles and working three years on this earth, dying on the cross for the sin of the world, rising from the dead for the hope of the world? After all of that he's done, what is he doing now? He is in heaven. The Bible says making intercession or praying for you and I. Prayer is so important that that is what Jesus is doing right now. You know what he does? He invites us to join him in that, to have that relationship. So I want to challenge you today, and I want to give you some things this morning that we can have for our back-to-prayer supplies. I don't know if you went school shopping and you got some back-to-school supplies. I picked up some back-to-prayer supplies that might help us with our prayer life. How many say this week I want to grow in my prayer life? This week I want to grow in praying and talking to God and hearing from God and allowing God to work in me and through me. If we are going to grow, we must pray. And if we're not praying, if the only way to grow is to pray, and if we're not praying, then what's the opposite of growing? You tell me. I'm not saying that we don't have salvation, but I will say this, that over time we're not allowing the truth to grow in us. And if the truth is not growing, be careful lest we be deceived or we allow ourselves to just be caught up in life and miss what God wants to do in our lives. So let me give you some of these supplies. You ready? You can't have them because these are mine, but I will show you and then take them back. Actually, this, uh, this bag is not even, well, it is mine, but it's a PlayStation bag that I paid way too much for because I was in a place I didn't have one and I needed it. You ever know what that's like? So now I will cherish this bag because I paid 10 bucks for it. Somebody like, 10 bucks, that's it? This thing's not worth 10 bucks, trust me. Here's number one, if we're going to have a prayer life, if we're going to have an effective prayer life, here's the first thing we need. We need a planner. If you can't tell me when and where you pray, you're probably not really praying. If it's not making your planner, then you're probably not really praying. Because if your prayer is, well, when I think about it, 
Well, the problem is waiting to do something when you think about it. I don't know about your thinker, but my thinker always has other things that I'm thinking about. And so it usually doesn't leave a lot of room to think about it. That's just me. So maybe your thinker's better than my thinker, and that's okay. But you need a planner. When is, when's your prayer time? I can tell you, and I, I remember growing up, I could tell you where I'd find my dad. My dad would always be either at the table or at his desk. First thing in the morning, if I got up early enough, I'd always find dad sitting at the table, reading his Bible, spending time with God. Do you have a place? Where's your prayer place? For me, it's either in the rocking chair in the bedroom. It's either out in the living room chair. It's at the table in the dining room or it's in my office or it's up here. You say, well, you got multiple places. Yeah, it really all depends where is school in session because if school's in session, I'm not praying out in the kitchen table. But when it's summertime, ain't nobody else up. (laughs) Nobody else bothering the area. There are places. Where's your prayer time? Where's your place? Has it made your calendar? Maybe right on that, right beside planner. Where is your time? Five minutes even to just whatever it would be, but to prioritize that. If it hasn't made your planner, then it probably hasn't become priority to you because you know that when it becomes priority, you put it in your planner. If something becomes important enough, Jody will say to me at times, she says, hey, this is going on. Put it in your calendar. You know what that means? It's important. It needs to make the calendar. Let me ask you, has your prayer life made the calendar? Let me give you number two. Here's the second thing that you need. Here's some supplies and highlighters. I don't think there's anything better than Post-it notes, Sharpies, and highlighters. I don't know what it is. It might be for all the organizational geeks. Are there any other organizational geeks that just, you, 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 I, I'm, I'm one of those. I like organization. I like putting things together and putting things in proper place. And when I'm reading, I like even organizing the stuff I read because I will color code things according to their importance. If it gets yellow, it's of high priority. If it gets pink, it's just good. Go back and consider it. But when it makes the yellow mark, that's the most important highlighter. I carry. So if you see me highlighting something yellow, I don't know what it means. It's just yellow. But when you highlight something, it stands out of importance. It has value. It went in our prayer life, learning to recognize, to highlight the things of God. I want to say this to you. The reason this is a, a supply in our prayer life is that we've got to learn to highlight the promises of God, the truth of God's word, not to try and just make it about what we're going through, but recognizing that we're highlighting the promises of God, that when we enter into the place of God, the first thing to do is to just highlight who he is and his promises, his truth, and not only only, we're not reminding God of his promises. How many know that when we remind God of his promises, we end up being reminded of how faithful, of how true, and highlighting those things of God. Let me give you number, number, you know, whatever. Next. I think it's three. Number three is this. You always have got to have, for your back-to-prayer supply, a sharpener. You've got to have a pencil sharpener. These are the coolest things. If you all remember what pencils used to be like, they are these right here, the yellow, and they're wood. Um, Remember that? Remember when we used to sharpen them and we has, have to like get carpal tunnel and turn it? Remember that? And we weren't able to just click, click, click. You remember? Sound like such an old guy. Back when I was a kid. I did literally walk to school a mile a day. I'm serious. I was waiting for sympathy, but there was none. Is your prayer life, and if we're going to have an effective prayer life, there's a supply is this, that we've always got to keep the point. And the point is this, that we're asking God, what is your will? What do you want in my life? That's the point. 
Because sometimes we'll lose the point. When we lose the point, we've got to go back. Get sharpening. God, I need your perspective. You ever have that time in prayer when, God, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, and the point got broken off of what you thought the point was? How many know what I'm talking about? And, God, I thought you were going to do this. I thought it was going to work this way, and all of a sudden, the point got broke. And you could just throw it away. And some people have said, well, I'm giving up on that. Didn't work. Prayer life's not going to work. I've asked God to do that, and you know, we start again. It doesn't work. And I just give up on that. But I want you to know that it's not giving up on prayer. It's saying to God, God, help me to be sharpened. And no, God, your ways are higher than my ways. You're faithful. You're good. And I've got to keep coming back. God, I need you. I might lose the point, but God, you're faithful to keep me sharpened. You're able to keep me focused. Keep me in my focus. I want you to know my prayer life is so much that I depend on because there have been days that I've gotten busy. I got a call. I got to go. I got to move. And I've not made time for my prayer. Spend time with God. And by the way, God knows it's grace. We're not legalistic. But I know the difference when I'm just busy. And I know the difference of when I prioritize God. And he orders and structures my thoughts. The way I look at things. The way I respond to things. The way things affect me. Praying can help you give a short temper or a, a, a longer temper or fuse, I guess, so that things that irritate you don't irritate you as quickly as they used to because the presence of God has a way of being able to work out some stuff in our life. I don't know how it works. I just know being in the presence of God does those things. It changes a person. It has an impact. It sharpens us. Let me, let me give you number next. Number four, all right, that sounds good. Here's your back-to-prayer supply, note cards. What do you use note cards for? You, you, that's good, somebody, to write notes on a card? Ushers, escort this person out of here. Smarty pants. <laughs> Isn't it usually you put on the note cards because it's stuff that you need to remember? I don't know about you, but I would use note cards to like prepare for a test or something I needed to remember and I'd write on the note and it would keep coming back to help me remember what I needed to hold on to. The reason I need a note card is because there are times that when I'm spending time in God's presence, and I'm in his presence, he speaks something to me, I need to hold on to it in memory. Something I have done is on my phone when I'm praying or reading, I will put something in my, in my phone that God has spoken to my heart and I'll set it as a schedule in the day to come back and remind me as a to-do list. It shows up as a to-do list, but it comes back as a reminder of this is a truth that God is speaking to remind me. How many know that when we spend time with God in the morning, we need to be reminded through the rest of the day of what God wants to speak to us? So holding that, meditating, hiding it in our heart, putting it on note cards. In fact, maybe you just need to take note cards and take it to school with you. Maybe putting it in, with your, uh, in your, your backpack or in your wallet if you're going to work, whatever it is, but holding on to the promises and the things of God. Let me give you the last one. Worship team's gonna come and help us close. Here's the last back to prayer supply. Somebody stole it. Wait, no, I found it. I found it. I found it. Aha. Oh, yeah, you already knew what it was. This was not a back-to-school supply when I was in school. 
But now hand sanitizer is like the thing to have. And you can even latch it on your backpack. I can even put it on my belt buckle here and clip it and have hand sanitizer everywhere I go. This stuff stinks. I don't know why you would use it. Old man moment again. What's wrong with bar and soap? Because she's the only. Let me give you something practical for prayer. You see, the Bible says no one can ascend the hill of the Lord without clean hands and a pure heart. That every day I need to be washed in the word and the presence of God. There is something that you may have heard of. It's not new, but a, a uh, resource to help structure our prayer time, and it's called soap. Here's what soap means. We didn't make it up. It's not, I don't even know how old it's been, but I've heard it for a long time, and it's soap. Here's what the S is. The S is Scripture that we read scripture on a daily basis and then we write down either the one verse or a set of verses that stand out to us. When was the last time the word of God spoke to you? You know, I'm glad my dad, I've already told you this, and my kids, they'll hear me ask the question. And I know there have been times you're like, okay, dad, you're the preacher, that's what you're supposed to do. I don't ask my kids because I'm the preacher. I ask my kids because I know they live in a world that if they don't have the word of God in their life, they will fall. They will become subject to the errors and the things of this world. And the only thing that will keep them is the word of God and the promises of God. I'm not shoving it down their throat. I only get this chance in this moment to impact, to influence. And I want them to know this is important. This is value. This is what matters the most in life. Yeah, I hope you get wins. Yeah, I hope you get scholarships. Yeah, I hope you get good grades, but above everything else, I hope you know the presence and the promise of God that'll carry you because good grades won't restore your marriage. A good grades and good scholarships won't cause your job and your finances to work. It's only when you put Jesus first in your life. That's what I want my kids to know. I don't apologize for it. This is a priority. What's the word of God? Do you have people in your life who is able to step in your life and say, hey, what? Is God speaking to you through your time with God today? Hey, what are you reading in the Bible? When was the last time you read the Bible? What are you doing? The people who are closest in my life should be the people who are pushing me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Have nothing to do with these people. The religious, but the rejecting. I'm religious that I believe this, but I'm rejecting the privilege to walk into it. Be careful. Don't be that. But I've got to have the scripture getting in my heart. Here, here's the O. The O is observation. What am I observing in this? What is it saying? And then the A is application. I need to write down, how does this apply to me? What does this mean to me? And then the P is prayer. I need to pray about what I've just written down. I need to ask God now to make this become real in my life. If you don't have something to use, I would encourage you to use this. Tomorrow, is the first day of school for many people, many students. So there are some moms and dads that your schedule is already changing tomorrow. Your, your schedule's already new. So can I challenge you, since your schedule's already gonna change tomorrow, change it up enough to start your prayer life. Change it up enough to make prayer a priority in your life. Is that okay? Is that all right? Is it all right if I kind of challenge you and push you that? Or, or if you say, nah, we just want to do the church thing where we just come and hear some stuff, hear some good teaching, some thing, and then just go back, and it really doesn't make any difference. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Preaching's not going to change you. It's only the presence of God. And if the presence of God doesn't come into our heart and into our homes and in our communities, it doesn't matter what it does here. 
at some point if it's not getting in. And so I'm praying and asking us over this week, uh, this, this week of equip that we'd be people that would walk into prayer, that we would be people of prayer. And I know it might be hard. You've never done it before. For some people, that's all right. Your story isn't mine. Where I grew up in a pastor's home that he was an alcoholic before he met Jesus. And how many know that when you're an alcoholic and you meet Jesus, everything changes in your life? My dad went from being a no one loving Jesus to he won't stop talking about Jesus. Because he who has been forgiven much loves much. My dad was forgiven much. My dad was forgiven much. You know, I'm forgiven as well. My dad went all in with Jesus. He didn't go half-hearted. And I want to pray today that we don't just go half-hearted because you will get hurt. As Pastor Kyle said, if you enter half-hearted, here's how that applies to prayer life. If you're half-hearted in your prayer life, then you'll always pray according to what you want and the way you expect it to be. That's halfway. The other half is making sure your will lines up with his will. And only when your two wills meet are you whole way, all the way in. But if you only go halfway, you'll always get hurt. You'll always get frustrated. You'll always get, well, this isn't working. It's not doing what I thought it would do. It's half-hearted. But when I allow myself to be all in, I, um, I would encourage you to use this. As you know, we were away on family vacation to California. And, and uh, one of the things that, that we took place, we did some day trips and one of the things that was done is that uh, Jaron and Jody went skydiving uh, just 20 miles off of the Pacific Ocean. Real exciting for them. Cool. I was there for the whole process, and it was part of Jaron's graduation gift. And, and, and uh, you know, I thought it would be wise of me not to go out, out of a financial decision. So I was being wise. Uh, so I participated by paying for the event we pulled up we put the address in and made our way to this small airport where these small rickety planes <laughs> I was a part of the whole process they, 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 they let us all in and Jalen and Jordan and I go in with them we're not jumping but we, we go in we walk the tarmac we, we go into the room we even sat down and watched the video we watched the video I even signed the paper uh, or they even signed, watched them sign the paper. And I read the paper that they signed that said, we will not hold anyone legally responsible should we die. I'm like, bless the Lord. Okay, do it. Sure. I mean, I was there for the video and I was there for the, the training. And I heard them say that when you jump, lean your head back because then you'll go into a roll and, and your weight will be back. And then I'll tap you on the shoulders. And then you put your arms out. And then I heard all this stuff. I knew what to do. I watched the video. I read the papers that were signed. I even knew how much it cost. I was a part of the whole process. I even knew which plane they were going to be getting into. I was a part of everything. But then they pulled out these tandem things to tie up and to sit. And I sat in my seat. And I watched them. I went to the place that they were about to land. And, and we saw the whole thing. I was a part of the whole experience. I watched them fall. I even took a video. You should see the plane. They look like specks in the sky as they came down. And I watched the parachute open. And I could see from where I was. I saw everything. I got to experience it all. I even took a video. It was awesome. But it was nothing like Jaron. He said, Dad, I've got to do it again because it was good. But now I feel like I'll be ready to enjoy it. He said, when I stepped out on the 
plane and the step and looking over, not even realizing. Next thing you know, boom, you're just tumbling. And then a free fall. He said, I was freaking out. It was so awesome. And as he's telling the story, I said, and did they tap your arm and you put your arm out? At the, yeah. We watched the video and even at a certain point, he, the guy said, you know, make some, some sign at, the, at, the, at the, uh, the camera that's on his wrist and because we're videotaping this whole thing and it's a cool experience. I heard it all, but when it came time to get tied in, I sat in the seat and just watched it happen. I wonder how many people every day the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want to tandem jump with you today. I want to take you places. I want to show you something. We're like, oh yeah, I saw the video. I haven't got it on my phone, a daily devotional. I read five minutes or maybe, maybe a minute. Sounds good, looks good. I've got this, but I've never tandem jumped with him because I read the video. Oh, I know, yeah, tap your, oh, put my hands up. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know, yeah, right there. Oh, I know, I know what to do. I've got it all down. I know just the right things, and you do all this stuff, but I've never gone to that height. Let me ask you, do you know all the practical stuff about prayer and all the things about prayer, but you've not yet stepped into the experience that God has for you? You've never taken the jump. You've never seen what it looks like to see the pier and the ocean from that far up, to see the sights of those things that you've never experienced. Oh, but from where you are right now, I know what it looks like. I've heard. I've been told. I even know what to do. But you've never stepped into your life of leaping into what God could do in your life. I might get up enough nerve sometime. Jaron said he's going to do it again. I think about it. What's stopping me? At some point, what's stopping me is really just saying, hey, Whatever seems inconvenient at the moment will all be worth it. So whatever's stopping you from your prayer life might seem inconvenient at the moment. Might seem awkward. Might feel unnatural. Doesn't even seem like it's working. What's stopping you? If you wake up tomorrow and tomorrow's just another day, I ask somebody, hey, how's your day? You know, just like another day. Get a new job or get a life. Because if your day is just like the other day, you've not spent time with the Creator. I'm not saying to you that just your excitement happens because of where you're going. The excitement happens because I'm going with the one who created all things, who knows all things. He can order my steps. He can lead me to a broken person today that I can speak life and watch the deliverance in the hand of God. He can do something significant and extraordinary in my ordinary day. It looks like just another high school year, but it's not another high school year. It's a moment to make an impact like we've never made before. It's not just another year on the calendar. It's the year that the Lord has made. It's not just another inconvenience of life change and shift. It's an opportunity that God can structure and order my steps and I can see what I never would have seen before because I tandem jumped. I went to a place that I could have never seen this before. From here it looks inconvenient. It looks like tedious work. It looks like strain. It looks like something that just takes my time. But oh, when I enter the place of His presence... When I see how good and how marvelous, how wonderful, it changes everything. So, I kind of just wanted to say to you, let's make prayer a priority.